0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We have been going through a series that I've entitled...
1: Lust, lies, and liberation. And we have been looking at the whole issue of David's sin with Bathsheba. And so David, when he's confronted with the reality of his sin and what God is going to do because of his sin and the punishment that he says, he says this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He makes this statement, and we can almost kind of miss what he's saying because we hear it so often today. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And you say, what do you mean we can almost miss what it's saying? Because, look, how many times have we heard a preacher get up on a TV and say, I have sinned against the Lord? Or we've watched a politician get up and say, I have done wrong. And and it just kind of like just goes over our head. It doesn't mean anything. Because we could think, oh, yeah, David, do you really mean it? Because it just sounds like empty words like I've heard before. See, that's why I think God gave us Psalm 51. Because Psalm 51 explains exactly what David said. It reveals his heart when he says to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. It really shows you what David is thinking. Because Psalm 51 is an expression of that confession. It's David coming clean. You know what it is to come clean, right? Maybe you've told somebody, you need to come clean with me. Usually when we say that kind of thing, we want them to what? Tell the truth. We don't want to hear any, any excuses. We, we want them to come clean. Just tell us what they did. My friend, Psalm 51 is David coming clean about himself, about his sin. And really, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to come clean. Quit looking at everybody else. Quick looking and saying, "Well, look at them. You, know, you know, I'm not like them." No, but you're pretty wretched yourself. Nobody has a right to stand before God except Jesus. And so, let's notice what He says. We're going to start Psalm 51. Let's start with the introduction. This is part of the Scripture. It says, "To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba." Notice what it says. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. We're just going to focus on the first nine verses today. Next week we'll look at the second half of Psalm 51. But what I want you to see here from this, we're going to see the whole issue about how you and I can come clean with God about the stuff in our lives. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are happy with your Christian life right now the way it is? How many? You're happy. You sense God's power in your life. You see God answering prayers all the time. How many? We're not happy, are we? We're not seeing God answer the prayers does that mean His promises are not right? Because He said He would. We're not sensing His work in our lives anymore. And can I tell you, the reason why it's not happening is not because of the other guy that we keep comparing ourselves to. It's because we're not where we should be. And we've been making excuses for stuff in our lives. And reality is is that we need to come clean with God We need to express to Him the reality of where we are really at and that we're not where we should be. And so when we look at this psalm, and especially when we look at these first nine verses and this whole issue of coming clean, we're going to see, first of all, a plea on David's part. He's going to plead with God. He's going to plead with God. We're also going to see his confession. He's going to make a confession here about who he is and what he's done. And then he's going to make a request. He's going to ask God to do some certain things in his life. And my friends, you and I need to grasp hold of what it means to come clean with him. Because, my friends, don't deceive yourself. You so, what do you mean, George? Don't deceive yourself into thinking that he's just turning a blind eye to the junk in your life. See, that's our perception of God. We have this perception of God that he just turns a blind eye to the junk in our lives because he's not. And that's the attitude that David realized. And that's where that psalm came out of is the recognition that God is not happy. So I want you to notice with me the plea. Look with me at verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. The first thing I want you to notice here is that he appealed to the very nature of God. I want you to notice what he's doing here. Notice the first thing that comes out of his mouth as he's writing this psalm. Have mercy! He knows that God is angry with him. He knows that God is going to deal with him. My friends, look at what Nathan told him. If you remember back to last week, Nathan told him, David, the sword is never going to depart from your life. Someone is even going to take your wives from you and do the same thing you did with them, but out in the open for all to see. David, you're going to have misery and suffering because of the stuff that you have done. David, I'm going to make an example of you because the nations around you are blaspheming me because of your actions. Therefore, the child will die. I mean, that's God in His anger. Let me ask you something. Do you think He's going to act any different to you than He would to the man who's called the man after God's own heart? David recognizes that and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is mercy! God, have mercy on me! But listen, the reason why he can do that is because he's pleading with God not based upon him because David recognizes man, I have no basis to plead with God about me. He focuses on the character of God. Look at the three things that he focuses on there. Notice what it says. Have mercy on me, O God. According... To your loving kindness. So he's focusing on the loving kindness of God. Notice something. Look again what it says. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. And the third thing is just a simple thing. Mercy. That's all reflective of who God is there. He is focusing on the fact of God's character. That even though God may be angry with him. He knows that God is a merciful God. God is a God who will extend grace and mercy And forgiveness. He knows that. So he's pleading with God based on his character. Based on his character. And notice what he's asking him to do. He pleaded with God for God's total forgiveness. Notice there's several things he's asking here that reflect the the forgiveness of God. Look at what it says. Blot out my transgressions, verse 1. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Blot out here means to open a record book and to remove a transgression or a debt. I was the time when I used to buy I bought a brand new truck and I took forever to pay it off and learned my lesson real quick about going into debt, but I remember when I finally paid it off, they sent me back the lien in the mail. And now said that truck is yours, George. And that's sort of like what we're talking about here. They they took my name off their books. And the debt that I owed them. And that's what David is saying here. God, remove my debt to you off of your books. blot out my transgression. That's the first aspect of forgiveness. Notice what else he says there. He says, and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Here, washing is compared to the like washing clothing. So Lord, I'm dirty. The sin in my life has dirtied my life. I'm disgusting before you, God. Wash me. Cleanse me. From my iniquity. And then finally, the third thing there is cleanse. It really has the picture of being ceremonially clean. It's a word often used with reference to being purified for religious service. David is saying to him, remove my transgression legally. Remove it practically from my life as far as the sin. Lord, remove it as far as my standard of being able to stand before you because I'm clean before you, God. He wanted God's total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. And he's pleading with it based on the character of who God is. Listen, some of you, you've gotten so used to the stuff in your life. You've made excuses for it. You've compared yourself to others. Said, I'm not like them. And yeah, you aren't like them. But you still got the stuff in your lives. And can I, can I fill you in? Somebody's comparing them to you. You're looking at Them and saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not like them. But what you need to realize is somebody saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not like them. Meaning you. Because they see it in your lives. You may have blinded yourself to it. And there you are. And you've made excuses for it. And you've grown accustomed to it. But there's just that sense of dirtiness. And there's a reason why. Because you aren't right. And there is a reason why. Because you are dirty. And you need to be cleaned Even though you you have made excuses for it so long and you've grown accustomed to it, there's a sense in which you need to come clean with God and and throw yourself on His mercy and on His forgiveness and on His love and go to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me total forgiveness. So I want you to notice now the confession. That there are four different aspects to this confession. Because here's how we, we confess sin when When we do something with God and we want to go to Him, we'll say, Oh God, forgive me, I've sinned. And that's how we do it, isn't it? We don't tell Him what we did. We don't say anything about our hearts. We don't say what we've done against Him. We we just use that one generic phrase, God, I've sinned. What what does that mean? Look, when I, I, I do my wife wrong, and she knows it, and I look at Lori and I say to her, you know, and we're... I'm sorry, Lord, I did you wrong. What does that mean to her? She's going to say, how? What? Where? When? She's just not going to accept, I did you wrong. She's going to want to know, what did I do wrong? See, my lack of revelation, you ever notice that? My lack of revelation to her about what I did wrong reveals something about my heart. I just want to get away with as little as possible as far as the acknowledgement of it in hopes that she'll forgive me and life will get back to normal. But what she wants and what ultimately God wants is for us to come clean and say to him, God, I did you wrong. So I want you to notice what he says here. A couple things here. Several things here. Four things. Notice first of all, look at verse 3. Notice what he says. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Listen, here's the point. Here's the confession. The reality of his sin was always with him. The reality of his sin was always with him. He wasn't making excuses for it. He wasn't sitting there and saying, Well, I'm not like those other kings. They've done far worse than me. He wasn't saying that kind of stuff. He wasn't playing mind games and excuses. The reality of who he was. Notice what he says. I acknowledge my transgressions. What is he saying? I take personal responsibility for it. I did this. I did this stuff, Lord. I'm the man. I did it. Notice what it says there. And my sin is always before me. God, my sin is just always staring me in the face. Always. Right there. What do you think about it? Think about David for a moment. So he takes Bathsheba into his home as his wife. What do you think when he's just interacting with her? He sees her in a court. Do you think he's just thinking? The minute he sees her, this is how the human mind is. The minute he sees her, what's he thinking about? What he did. He hears the baby's cry. What is he thinking about? What he did. See, it's always there before him. And so the reality of sin is always with him. So he acknowledges that. He says, God, I am responsible. This is my sin. I did this and it's always there with me, Lord. It's haunting me. And that's a good word, isn't it? Haunting. It haunts us, doesn't it? Sin haunts us. The sin we do haunts us. And so David says, Lord, the reality of my sin is always before you, Lord. I acknowledge that. Then notice verse 4. He gets right down to the heart of what confession is. Confession is not just saying, oh God, I've sinned. Notice what he says. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Here's what he says. He sinned against God. Listen to me. I want you to picture it this way. How about every time I do wrong? Every time I do something wrong, every time I have an attitude, every time I speak evil of someone else, every time I do what's wrong, every time I do what's wrong, I just come up with a full hand and slap Brad right across his face. Every time. You would be horrified at that, wouldn't you? Every time I sin, every day... I tell Brad to show up at my house at 5 o'clock and I slap him as many times as I've done wrong that day. And he willingly comes and lets me do it. First of all, you think he's a nut. But I slap Brad on his face. That's what we're doing. Listen to me. That's what you're doing. Only it isn't Brad. It's God. Every time... I sin, I take the hammer and I lay one more blow to the nail. I take the whip and lay one more lash across his back. See, that's the reality. David said to him, against you and you only have I sinned. When I sin, I am slapping God in the face. See, that's what confession is. Confession is an acknowledgement that when I've done wrong, God, I am hurting you. In fact, isn't that what the writer of Hebrews says, that when we sin, we crucify the Lord afresh? See, do you see how far we've gone in our thinking that we just have made excuses for the stuff in our lives that we no longer realize the fact that we're hurting the folks around us? See, we're doing the same thing. We're just like that addict. We're continuing on in our sins, thinking everything's okay, except the person that we're hurting is God. We say, isn't he big enough to handle it? That's not the point. Aren't you glad he can? Because if he couldn't, we'd be dead. The point I want you to see is is that He is saying here in his confession, this is what we've got to come to. We've got to come to the place of acknowledging, God, I am sinning against you. Quit looking at everybody else and thinking you're okay because you're not okay. Chapter and verse, George, where do you get that? Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There ain't a perfect person in here, including myself. That's the reality. So David says to him, God, I've sinned against you. And then notice something else that he's acknowledging here. Look at verse 5. And listen, this may sound kind of weird, but notice what he's saying here. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. What is he saying? He's confessing to God that, number one, he was a sinner by nature. See, this is totally against what our culture says. Our culture says that everybody's good. No, David recognizes what? That I am a sinner by nature. I'm just plain wicked. God, not only have I sinned against you, but God, it's my very nature to sin. Listen, to you who compare yourself to others, let me just remind you of something. Given the right circumstances, the right situation, you would do the same thing given the right circumstances and the right situation, you would do the same thing. David is recognizing, he's saying to him, this is no freak event that happened. This was just no freak accident that happened. It wasn't just Bathsheba's part. She shouldn't have been out there washing. He's recognizing that it's his character. And he is a warped creature. And what he did is an expression of his warpedness. My friends, you and I are warped. We're sinners. Given the right circumstances, the right situation, we will sin against God. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. And then notice something. Look at verse 6. He says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make me know wisdom. What's he saying here? This is part of his confession. He knew God's standard. He knew God's standard. Listen, it's not like you're just going around sinning mindlessly, although we can do that. It's you know that what you're doing or what you have done is wrong, but what you've done is is you've made excuses for it by saying, "Well, I'm not like this other guy over here," or maybe you're you're just making you're not even making excuses for it. You don't care, and so there you are. You have in your understanding, as you know the word, you know that God has this standard right here, but you are willfully choosing to not follow it. And that's what David is saying. God, I knew your standard and I didn't follow it. I knew it, but I'm just doing my own thing. See, that's what confession is. Do you understand what I'm saying? See the four parts of confession? The four parts of confession are right there. Number one, taking personal responsibility for what you've done. Number two, recognizing that you have sinned against God. Number three, recognizing that it's your very nature to sin and that you will do it probably again. And number three is is that you know His standards, but you can't keep them. That's confession. So he makes that confession to God and then he goes to God. We see it in verses 7 through 9 now. And he makes a request. He goes to God and he makes this request. Notice with me what he says. Verse 7 Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Here's what he's asking. First of all, he wants to be cleansed from his sin. Again, hyssop there was it something that was used ceremonially. He wants to be ceremonially clean before God. He wants to be able to stand before God and not worry about the junk that's in his life. Listen, that's why you're not praying right now. That's why you're struggling in your prayer lives. Let me just explain that to you. What do you mean, George? If I do Brad wrong, and I know that I've done Brad wrong, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid Brad. You ever notice that? I will avoid Brad. In fact, let's just say I just happen to meet Brad right at Walmart. I can't look Brad in the eye. I'm always... Yeah, hey Brad, how you doing? Oh yeah, the weather's great out there. But I never look him in the eye. Why? Because the guilt is there. Brad's thinking, boy, you're awfully weird today, George. What's the matter with you? Because he doesn't know that I've done him wrong. I know I've done him wrong. And so I try to end that conversation as soon as possible and I'm out of there. I may have went in there for a whole list of groceries, but I leave my list and go and leave. Come back later when I know that he's not there because I don't want to bump into him again. Why? Because the guilt. The guilt. Listen, can I be honest with you? That's why some of you are struggling in your prayer lives. Because you can't go before God and pray because you feel guilty. How can you talk to Him about other stuff? Unlike Brad, who may not have known anything, you know God knows. And so you avoid Him. So this is what David is saying. Lord, cleanse me with hyssop. That's a ceremonial thing. God, make me pure again so I can stand in Your presence. Make me pure again so I can stand in Your presence. That's what he's saying there. He wants to be cleansed from his sin. Notice something here. Here's the, Listen, this is a great one. Look at verse 8. Look at Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. What's he saying here? He wants the joy of being right with God. Remember when I asked you to raise your hand if if you're sensing that presence in God and you're happy with the way your Christian life is and everything? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand now, but I want you to reflect on that, those of you, all of us who did not raise our hand, and just reflect on this. Is there joy in your life? If we were honest with ourselves, there isn't. And the reason why there's no joy in our life, there's no joy that comes from God in our lives, a sustaining joy. A fulfilling joy, as John would say in 1 John chapter 1. The reason why is because we're not right with Him. And so David is saying to him, Lord, not just make me clean so I can stand before You. God, bring back the joy in my life. Listen, some of you have made excuses for so long, you don't even remember what that joy is like. You don't even remember what that joy is like. And it's the joy of being right with God. That's what he's asking for. That's his request. And then finally, look at verse 9 there. He says this, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. What's he saying there? He says he wants his record cleared. You and I understand that today in the legal world. If you have a crime, it stays on your record. And when you apply somewhere, maybe it's a sensitive job or something, they go and look through your record. And if it's not cleared, there it is. And it may hinder you from getting that job. My friends, there's an ultimate record book. And David is saying, Lord, blot out my transgressions. Hide your face from my sins. Lord, clear the books of my sin. What am I saying? It's time to come clean with God. It's time to come clean with God. It's time for you to get alone. Go out to the hunting camp get up early in the morning or stay up late at night, be in your room alone and say to Him, I'm the man. I've sinned against You, God. Forgive me. I need Your total forgiveness, Lord. It's time to come clean. Listen, my friends. You know, everybody here didn't raise their hand when they said that they're not happy with their Christian life, that their life is not seeing fully... I mean, can I be honest with you? Do you want to stay that way forever? Do you? Isn't there at least a bit of you that says, man, I would love to see His hand in my life daily to sense the presence of God every day, to know that He is there, to see the wonderful things He has to show me, to know that when I pray, His presence is right. Isn't, does nobody here desire that? Surely you desire that. My friends, what's keeping you from that is you won't deal with the stuff you got to deal with in your life because you're focused on Bubba. Well, Bubba doesn't answer for you. You answer for you. It's time to come clean with God. It's time to come clean with God. And so what does that mean? Recognize that you have sinned. You ain't perfect.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.